when you think about your blind spots is if you don't understand how they come about and where they stem from and how to attack them, then the problem is you can't ever really fix them. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about leadership and ways revenue executives can become better leaders, develop more effective cultures, and hopefully as a result, increase the impact of their teams and the results they produce. To help us, we have with us Jason Treu, an executive coach who focuses on leadership. He's a best-selling author of Social Wealth, a how-to guide on building extraordinary business relationships. He's also creator of Cards Against Mundanity and host of the Executive Breakthroughs podcast. Jason, thank you very much for taking time to be on the show today. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show and speaking to your fantastic tribe. (laughs) Excellent. So before we jump in to the topic of the day, uh, we always like to ask one random question. And so the random one that I picked today is help us understand kind of what your passion is when you aren't coaching executives on leadership. What do you do to, you know, unplug and recharge? Well, I've started running in the uh, last year. So my Uber goal was to train and run the Boston Marathon in 2020. So I'm on track. I never ran before November of last year. So uh, I ran two marathons this fall. The last one was in Philly in November in 337. So I've got the next one in Phoenix in February. So it means I'm essentially running all the time and finding a running group. So that's a big piece of my time, playing my dogs, big Dallas Cowboys fan, Dallas Mavs, <laughs> so I go to plenty of those games, and I have a huge group of friends that I'm always doing things and exploring and traveling, and you know, just I love what I do. So it's a, uh, it's not really work per se. <laughs> right, I understand that completely. Was there something special that? Made you decide you wanted to start running? You hadn't been. It sounded like you hadn't been a runner all your life. I just needed a goal. It's like Forrest Gump. Just started <laughs> and then just didn't look back. So uh, excellent. Yeah. In fact, I just ran this morning. So with some people, and uh, and you know, and part of the people like today I ran with were really fast. So I was the smallest fish <laughs> in the big pond. But you know, the advantage of that is you get faster and better. Right. So. It also helps make sure that we stay humble. <laughs> Exactly. That's very true. Because I was uh, eating dust. So people, I was by far. Excellent. All right. So let's start with a definition of leadership, right? It's a word that everybody throws around. uh, But I find that when I work with clients or or work with people, it is somewhat amorphous in terms of a consistent definition and understanding of exactly what leadership is. So really like to kind of set some context by just kind of capturing your definition uh, of leadership. Yeah, I think if you take an Uber level, and you could obviously break this down significantly, I would say it's, you know, an individual who takes the accountability for finding the potential and developing it in people and processes. Okay, excellent. All right, I'm taking taking quick notes here. I had a mentor once when I asked him that question said uh, that it was the ability to uh, convince others to give up the need to lead themselves and follow you. And that seems a little 
didn't seem didn't seem to take it all into account. I like your definition. I like your definition better. I think people will be able to respond to it uh, and understand it. So now, what was it that drew you to leadership coaching? Did we, when we were little and playing with you know GI Joe and Matchbox, did we wake up and say, "I want to be a leadership coach"? Or what was the journey like to get here? I mean, I think it's that I've got to you know I'm been fortunate to being around some of the I mean really greatest leaders of our time, and I I got to work with Steve Jobs for over a year and a half, probably two years. And I got to work with Reed Hastings, the current CEO of Netflix for like six months, every single week, um, one-on-one with another person. Um, I've got to spend time with the CEO of HP, uh, former Mark Hurd. I mean, I got to work with the top people at Benchmark Capital and Kleiner Perkins, which were, you know, the like the top VCs, period. And a lot of uh, Mark Cuban, we acquired his company for Yahoo that was there for that. So I, mean, I got to be around a lot of great people, and the list goes on and on and on. So I had the opportunity to really watch, learn, study, look in the rearview mirror of some really great people myself. And I've always been wondered like how they do what it is that they do. And for me, I like breaking down things and solving puzzles and problem solving and also taking a look at a lot of the things I think out there that people just make up (laughs) that really just aren't really true. And I think one of the problems today is because there's so much information, a lot of times people will tell you things that really that just aren't true at all, or they've just essentially made it up and they believe it's fact. And I think that we have to do a better job as leaders actually doing the work, like looking at frontline research, getting out there and asking the hard questions and doing it. And a lot, most people do not do that at all. Like very few people I know who do what I do will go to the depths of research that I actually go out and do in the field one-on-one with people for no money and no potential upside. I'm just trying to figure things out. And eventually, obviously it leads to something, but initially in many times it doesn't. Well, it's that investment up front, right? It's that making sure you have understanding to find problems that you can help them solve, right? And so with that exposure to that list of people and those experiences, you know, what do you find holds people back from being great leaders? What's the biggest challenge they're running into or what's the biggest hang up? Well, I mean, I think it's probably a lot of, I think it's a lot of things. I mean, I I would say one of it's lack of self-awareness. And an inability to have an emotional intelligence to see their own emotions and the landscape around them, which I think is one of them. The second one is very few people actually do personal development and actually invest in themselves in order to grow. And one of the things I always say to people, because actually I did this for 2019, I went around and I probably asked 100 uh, leaders and CEOs of companies you have a business plan for 2019. And they said, yes. And I said, can you show me right now and take out on your computer or a piece of paper, whatever it is, your actual personal development plan to get that, uh, business goals. And I, every single time I have a blank stare and I said, do you realize you are trying to get an organization to go where it's never been before? And you don't have a plan in order to get there. Because you can't do what you did in 2018 and 2019. So how are you going to acquire the new skill sets and mindsets and psychology in order to deliver an organization to get there? Whether it's one one person meaning you or it's 100,000 people like it would be at like a large company. 
And so what do you find in the challenge? I mean, so when we think about that, you mentioned, you know, so, I mean, a couple that, those of- are just a couple, those are only a couple things, but, and the list can go on and on and on because the reality is, is that if you even take a bigger picture at it, how many people are able to, let's say, I always say this much. If you, if you grew a company at a billion dollars, you should be able to do it again. There's no reason, <laughs> there's no reason because essentially all, if you can't, here's the problem. It means you learned very little about that experience. It means it was a time and place and you really did not make it like a supply chain, like understanding one plus one equals two. So you can go into a sales organization and operations and IT or whatever it is and just make it work the next time around. Or that you learn how to hire the right people that could do that and understand what that takes, right? I mean, so I, but very few people do that. Right. I mean, look at someone like Bill Gates and I'm like the ability for him to go and do Microsoft and then the foundation is extremely unique. I mean, you know, like Steve Jobs, even going from Pixar to Apple, I mean, regardless of what you think of him, I mean, how many people can say they actually did that? Right. I, I mean, show me those CEOs that can do those things. Like I, I, I really don't see many of them out there. Well, and you mentioned a couple of things that I, I want to dive into a little bit. So, you know, uh, awareness, self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and the willingness to invest in themselves. So this is something I see all the time that everybody's moving so fast that they don't have a tendency to think that, hey, you know what? I can't change other people. I can only change myself. So what do you yes. think it is that gets in the way of that uh, personal development, that that self-awareness? Um, what's the biggest challenge that you've seen when you work with clients? That keeps a them lack from of understanding. Thinking. I think a lack of understanding of what it really takes to be a leader, and people don't want to take the time. They they believe that it's uh, it, it, they 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 look at a tree and they see the beautiful leaves and they see the apples and they're like, oh my god, I want to have a tree full of apples. But they don't understand that it's the root that creates the tree, and so that becomes the problem. Everyone wants the shiny, sexy thing. We want the ESPN highlight reel, want the Facebook news feed, right? No one wants to do the hard work and really look at what it takes to what it will require you to get to the greatest levels possible and the patience and the grit and determination. And so that what's hold you back. And then within, what, they see, what they don't understand is that your skills and ability will eventually wear out and you'll hit a ceiling and it's your own internal blind spots that hold you back because you can't see yourself. And yet everyone will know that, but no one will do it. And it's not about money. I mean, there are plenty of people that have ridiculous amounts of money and they're not, right? It's about resourcefulness, <laughs> right? Like Tony Robbins said, which is so true. And if everyone followed that, that was successful, they would have unlimited success because the reality is they have actually, they could tap into the greatest people in the world that could shortcut everything for them, take out five, 10, 15, 20 years of the same work they're doing now. But people just don't do that because they're busy doing today, not thinking about tomorrow. And then what happens is they fall off the side of the cliff and it takes them forever to get back up. And then they waste more time doing all that. But people just want this immediacy. They don't want to spend the time investing in themselves because they don't want to be patient and really, I think, do the hard work. Look in the accountability mirror. Um, it, it's just a rare thing that you find. And it's funny because really the most successful today people today are all doing those things. And the people that are not, they may be successful for a time. But just like I can go five, four, three, two, one, they will implode, right? I mean, right. even Steve Jobs, right? He, died because he refused to do necessary things at some point. Right. So his lack of self-awareness in himself and 
like eventually did him in. And I would say to you that really happens to pretty much almost everyone. Interesting. All right. So you mentioned blind spots, right? So there's this lack of awareness that people have. So have you seen, or do you, do you have a couple of methods or tactics that our audience could maybe learn from in order to overcome their own leadership blind spots? Something that's been extremely effective as you've, as you've built your business. Yeah. Well, I think one of the the key thing is when you think about your blind spots is to under, I think if you don't understand how they come about and where they stem from and how to attack them, then the problem is you can't ever really fix them. They're probably one of the most complicated things for an individual to actually overcome and do. And I think when you take a look at a typical blind spot, it's like I've gone through blind spots exercises in these with probably five or 600 people. And there has been zero people so far that their biggest blind spots have not stemmed from one of two things. And that's one, something that happened under the age of 10 years old they learned, or some adult trauma that they've had that have really created a stigma for them in their head. And what happens is, is that in tr- the way we traditionally deal with blind spots and self-awareness in corporate America and other places is you do a 360 review or you get feedback from other people and it is given to you. And then you get a development plan, whatever that might be. The problem is, is that when you do that, you actually start to tap into our survival mechanisms and people then don't embrace it. And what I mean by that is our brain are wired for negativity. They're not wired for happiness and growth. And a little voice in your head says anything it can to keep you safe, (laughs) which means it eliminates risk. It keeps you on the couch in your comfort zone because it knows that you will die otherwise because in the days of caveman, If you were told you needed to be broken or needed to be fixed, you'd be ostracized from the group and you actually would die. And the brain has not evolved all those years to know the difference, right? Fear is the same. That's why people say, oh, you know, I'm scared to death to speak on stage. Well, no, that's not why. But you feel like you're going to die today, even (laughs) though reality is right. You have the same fear as someone did in the caveman days. But the thing, reality is, is that we're not going to die from these things. But our feet, flight or flight does not know any of the difference. So if you go to, let's say, a leader and you do a 360 review and you go to them and say something like, which I've had a client, has happened before, um, that they're a poor listener. Immediately in their head, they go into survival mode because they're thinking, oh, geez, you know, people are telling me I'm broken. I'm not good enough anymore. Like, what other problems am I having? And everyone has imposter syndrome at some level. So they go and take the information in the back of their head. They're saying to themselves, well, maybe the team that I'm leading and the people around me, they're not as smart enough as I thought they were. They're not really good enough. They're not that dedicated. And simultaneously, they say, I'm going to get those sons of bitches for (laughs) telling that I'm broken, right? And because now I need to be fixed like a home repair improvement project. And so what happens is they nod their head, yes, but they don't embrace it and they make an incremental change. And what instead people need to do is start to look at the patterns like a computer program. Because if you approach a problem like a computer program, it's looking at it objectively, right? And it's they do exactly what the Navy SEALs do. What people... I have a friend of mine on on, um, SEAL Team 7 that was Chris Kyle was on from American Sniper, the movie. And this is what they do after every mission because they ask this question. 
And this is why they do things way differently than everyone else and why they are elite. And they can actually be elite across a large group of men, you know, and be consistent with it is they ask these questions. What were our intended results? What were our actual results? What went well? What didn't go well? And what did we learn from this? And what can we implement moving forward? It is not emotional. It's looking at it very objectively, like a computer program. They don't place blame. It's not about failure. Even if everything went right, their mentality is we know that we can get better, and it's our job to find ways that we can or even imagine ways that we could have thought about it and rationalized how we could have done whatever it was, right? So when you look at that inside of a human being, you have to start digging deep into patterns. And for instance, that listening problem, well, I had a client like this not that long ago, and I asked a question. I said, so tell me the family you grew up in. What, what did it look like? And he said, oh, six people in my family. And I said, so how did you, how did you get heard? Like, how did you get people, your parents, to listen to you? And I said, when's the, when's the first time you remember that you actually had to get their attention and got their attention? So he gave me an example of he was sitting at the dinner table and he needed them to go to some grade school event. So he elbowed them as hard as he could on his brother and sister on the left and right, knocked them off their chairs, and yelled across the table to mom and dad if they'd go to the event and gave some details. And they said yes. And then I asked him, I said, well, do you, and, and looking back, do you think there was any other way that you could have got them to go to that event? And he said to me, no. And then I asked why. And he said, well, there's no way that I could have gotten their attention long enough in order to ensure that I could have got them to go. Now, whether that was right or whether that was wrong in his head, right, that was his perception and his belief, and he believed it completely. And I asked a couple other times where there was other things going up later in life, and it was the same thing. He learned that not listening got him what he wanted. And it actually was true, because it did. Now the problem is it's sabotaging his success. So now when you tell him that, and you say, look, what I'm about to tell you is a pattern. It's neither good nor bad. It's a computer program. It's a one or zero. You have the choice now to be right, or you have a choice to be happy, successful, and fulfilled. Because the pattern that you did that was successful then is now sabotaging your success and eventually will crater it. So the decision is yours. How do you want to proceed? Well, at that point, you're not telling them they're broken. They need to be fixed. So you, pa- you bypass the circuit that is in our brain that goes to negativity to keep us safe, and now you get into the intellectual part of our brain and you bypass the fight or flight and you don't start that mechanism in motion or the chemicals around it that start that landslide. And so now everyone says the same thing to me. Oh, Jason, I never meant to do that. Certainly that was not my intent. And I said, well, I realized that. You were unaware of what was going on. You didn't know what you didn't know, right? And we can't see ourselves. So then I gave him a list of stuff on a post-it note to do, things like ask questions and listen last, get to know people much better on your team, right? Get feedback and actually look at it in terms of people trying to help you, not looking at it if people are looking at you as broken or being fixed. And we had some other things on there too. And that is really all it took. And in less than 30 days, it, like, it was a miraculous turnaround. And financially, the company was doing significantly better in 30 days, like impact, like in, in a, in an incredible way. What they, and what they did over the next couple of quarters as well, leading and stemming from that. 
So I think what people need to do is they need to dig deep and ask the question, so when's the first time I ever felt like this? And what were the circumstances around it? Because you gotta dig deep into your own patterns. And the challenge is it's hard for us to do it by itself. I know it seems self-serving, I'm a coach saying that, but <laughs> I can't do it myself, right? I have a heart, now I'm a little bit better because I can see certain things, but I also have to get feedback because even if I write it down and try to look at it objectively myself, like you, your mind can't see everything because that's just the way that it's wired. Well, and, and I mean, that's a really interesting point, right? You can't see yourself and I can completely agree with that. But the, the you know, we've talked about emotional awareness before the, the strength of character that somebody has to have or, or the anxiety they have to have or the problem they have to overcome in order to put themselves in a spot where they're willing to be, um, that vulnerable, right? I mean, it's one of your 10 essential leadership skill sets, right? Courage, uh, slash bravery equals vulnerability. And that's, that's a dangerous word for a lot of people, uh, it I, is. you know, and it makes them uncomfortable. So how, what have you seen be like the, the breaking point where they finally, the situation is either so bad or they've had some kind of epiphany and now they realize they need some outside help. Do you yes. see those have a tendency to be more positive or more, uh, I hate to say tragic, but you know what I mean? Are they, are they positive, uh, events that cause them to say, Hey, you know what? I want to get better. Or are they in situations no. where they're like, shit, I need help. Yeah. I mean, 99.9% .9 of the people come to me when they're in trouble or they're plateaued or they're stuck or they're really, the fear goes taps in. It's not when they're on their ascension, right? That's what I said before. The problem is, is that, I think the the learning in the training and development function in corporate America is completely broken. It's not partially broken and it's getting worse because people are putting it into programs and all these modalities and they're not understanding how human beings have to work and interact. And it's partly in, in science, but it's also an art to do this stuff, right? So like a lot of the things I'm telling you, so, you know, I can do them in groups to some level, but you have to go down to a person. And I, I have great coaches that are been on Oprah and everywhere else. And they see the same thing. Like you have to invest in yourself to look at these deep issues and we just can't do them. And it's a requirement in order to go to love. Cause you're not going to be vulnerable in front of a group of people. Right. If you can't be vulnerable with yourself, <laughs> right. you right. can't give other people what you don't have. So it's a waste of time. You can't go up there and tell a leader, well, give the speech of your life if you can't give yourself the speech of your life. It, it doesn't work like that. It's not possible. You have to be at that level and dig that deep inside of your soul in order to do that. And if you want to be a great leader and you want to do it, then that's going to be what is required from you. Otherwise, you'll have a moment in time and you'll be a flash in the pan and that's it. And that's really most people, right? I mean – most people are not sitting there at 70, 80 years old like Warren Buffett and, and, and continually to ascend. <laughs> it's really, I mean, honestly, look at it. I mean, we're, we're talking about the rarest of things. And when people ask those questions, I'm like, you could be that way too. You just don't want to do it. And you don't want to actually go in and go to that level of being humble, looking in the mirror, asking hard questions, learning from things, you know, taking your own medicine. And if you did, then you would be able to do that because the competition will refuse to do it because they think they know more than everyone else. Right. And so Otherwise, they'd be doing it. Otherwise, they would be doing it, right? I mean, if what I'm telling you would be false, then they would be doing it because the upside is tremendous, right? I mean, it's billions of dollars in a company 
is it for every individual? I mean, I, I'll just give you an example. I just did it with someone who's a min-level manager in a company, and we went through this exercise. And in three months, she just got a job going up from ninety thousand dollars. And normally, I don't have clients like that. And she just got a raise to one hundred and forty thousand dollars nice. in three months, ninety days. And she, I mean, the ROI at that is incredible, right? Ninety days, got a job that, and she loves her job more than she's ever loved any other job in her entire life. On top of that, so the amount of money that I, I guarantee for the next couple of years that she'll make off that job from promotions or other stuff, and she's not a salesperson, she doesn't have quota, right? She works in like customer success area, right, which is borders on account manager, but it's not quite the same thing. So I, I tell you that because it's countless over and over again the same thing, right? But people don't want to do it because it's really difficult to dig into your past, admit to yourself the things that either happened to you or the things that you did and take not responsibility, but accountability for them for recognizing, understanding, and then having to make changes where you ensure that they happen no matter what it takes. Excellent. All right. Let's change direction a little bit here. Towards the end of each interview, I ask our guests to kind of two standard questions. And the first is simply when somebody doesn't have a relationship with you and they're trying to capture your attention, maybe they think they've got something that you should add to your practice of coaching, or maybe they got mm-hmm. something they want to sell you or, you know, whatever it could be, but somebody doesn't have a relationship. They don't have a referral into you. What have you found to be the most effective way for individuals to capture your attention and, and grab 15 minutes on your calendar? Well, I mean, I think it's one of, I think one of the things is what is your proposition? What exactly are you doing? I think what value are you going to be able to give to me at that point without asking for a handout to prove to me that you can actually do it? I think the other part of it is going beyond that question is when you're in the engagement, I think what you have to understand is that you have to rocket trust by being super vulnerable with people and getting them to be super vulnerable with you and getting them to self-disclose information about who they are, what their challenges are, and what's going on. I mean, that's another part that I've been working on and trying to understand how to do that. Um, but you've got to find a way to do that when you're having these conversations with people, even over email or everything else, because otherwise, why would they do it? Because they're getting blitzed by people. (laughs) Right. 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 And you have to have other things. I mean, I try to give someone. So for instance, when I'm pitching people and doing stuff, I have a free team building game that I just give to them for free. And I know that if they're going to use it, they're going to get tremendous amount of value and they never have to contact me back. I just put it in there for something for them to use, right. That they can get it. And I've done the work on it, due diligence, telling them, here's all the major companies that are using it. I'm giving you the same thing. Go ahead and use it with your team. See if it works. And if it's interesting, you, then let's talk more. Yeah. So provide value would be vulnerable and authentic right out of the gate. I mean, I think those are extremely powerful uh, insights and I hope guys, you're paying attention to that. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. There's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, professional service people, whoever, any professional individual, one piece of advice you could give them that if they listen to, you believe would help them hit their targets, be more successful. What would it be and why? Well, I would say ask better questions. And I would say the other part is that all great salespeople do one thing is that they are able to be as vulnerable with the with a prospect or their current customer as they are with their significant other, their partner, their best friends, anyone in their inner circle. 
And I said, if you cannot do that, you don't have the trust with someone for them to take a massive leap of faith with you. And that's why they make it look so easy is because they're able to do that and you're not. And that goes to their ability to get the other person to self-disclose information that they would never tell anyone else. Perfect. So if a listener uh, is interested in learning more about this stuff, the best way to get in touch with you, hit the website and just give us that address for the audience. Sure. It's uh, Jason and it's T-R-E-U.com. It's Jason, T-R-E-U.com. And you can also download my team building game that you can use internally and then with prospects and clients. It's called Cards Against Mundanity and uh, that's free. Excellent. Jason, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on the show today. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, families, and coworkers. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success.